Welcome into episode three of the Scout and the Sports Page. I'm the host, Paige Demakos, here with my co-host, who's in lovely San Diego, and that is Gary Horton. Gary, how are you doing today? Great, Paige. Uh, August in San Diego, not a bad place to be. Yeah, I, I don't think any month, insert any month, in San Diego is a bad place to be. So you're a pretty lucky guy. I absolutely am. Happy to be here. All right, we're going to preview the AFC. If you want to listen to the preview of the NFC, that is on iTunes. If you look up the Scout on the Sports page, it's also on FanRagSports.com. If you look that up and you want to hear what we did last week for the NFC, but this week it's all about the AFC. We're going to start with the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. I have one major question here for you. Is Tyrod Taylor going to be the starting quarterback going forward? Because my, oh my, things have not looked good so far. Well, I think, Paige, that the coaches are really having a problem with this. I think he went into the season as the established starter. Although, remember, this is a new coaching staff, so they are not committed to him. But I don't think his performance in the first two weeks has been good enough to make the coaches feel good about it. But they don't have a choice. The problem is they have nobody behind him, so I think they're stuck with him. But his receiving core stinks. Uh, You know, they're getting rid of guys. Uh, I I think it's going to be a real problem on offense unless McCoy can control the game with the run. Yeah, this is very confusing for me because they trade away their best wide receiver in Sammy Watkins, and it almost leads you to believe that they're, like you said, they're not committed to Tyrod Taylor because they're not helping him with keeping the better offensive pieces around. So I'm confused with what they're doing moving forward. I do like... Uh, LaShawn McCoy a lot and I think his value went up because Sammy Watkins is not there I just don't know that Tyrod has enough around him for this offense to be successful going forward and a couple of quick points Paige you know they traded for Matthews Jordan Matthews from Philadelphia now I know that Anquan Bolden has retired this week but they had three guys that are inside slot guys now they have two the rookie Jones and Matthews are both slot guys. They have no guys outside. And McCoy is the guy that does not work the middle of the field, the inside, very well. So none of this makes sense. Now, having said that, I also know that this new coaching staff is fitting guys for their schemes. So I don't think they're necessarily tanking. I just think, for example, they traded Ronald Darby to Philadelphia. He's a man-press corner. This new coaching staff wants zone corners. So I'm not ready to admit that they're tanking, even though it looks like it. I just think they're cleaning house, and obviously the, the organization has told them they have time to rebuild this thing. Yeah, it's very interesting because there's other teams across the league. When I look at the 49ers, it's another team that I look, they have quarterbacks like Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley, and I feel like as they bring in these new coaching staffs, they're not committed to the quarterbacks that are there. And you kind of see them for lack, you know, we say the word tanking, but not really putting their quarterbacks that are there in the best position as they go forward, and that kind of leads you to believe that they have their eyes on maybe a quarterback that's coming out next season to have as their quarterback of the future or obviously some free agent quarterbacks to bring in. Now, I'm a bit I like Tyrod. I think he's got a lot of ability, but it's going to be pretty tough for him this season going forward because I just don't think they have enough in Buffalo. But, no, he's he's just not playing with a full deck and that's the problem. Yeah, it's not uh it's it's very hard to judge what he's doing when he doesn't have what he needs to be successful. But we will move on to Miami and to my boy Jay Cutler. 
very interesting as the offset. You know, you go in thinking that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the guy this season. Obviously, he gets injured, and now Jake Cutler makes his triumphant return to the NFL in what is the best season that he had with the Chicago Bears with Adam Gase. What do you see from Cutler and Gase and their chemistry together, and how will this work for the Miami Dolphins? Well, and I'm going to come back to you on a question in a minute, because I've talked to some of my guys in the NFL uh, in the last 10 days, and they think Cutler will actually be better than Tannehill in this offense. I'm not sure I believe that yet, but I think the key for them, he's got to get up to speed in this offense. Now, he knows it. He has enough playmakers around him in the passing game. He's got a running game. But this is an intricate offense. You know, they side adjust. They'll go shotgun. They'll no go, go uh, no huddle. He'll throw a lot of screens and checkdowns. Uh, Gates will want him to read at the line of scrimmage. So he has a lot on his plate, but they do know each other. And this, unlike Chicago, in my opinion, he has his best supporting cast that I've seen in years to make him better. Absolutely, and I think I've been watching just a lot of the coverage of what's going on with the Miami Dolphins, and I hear a lot about the connection and chemistry between him and Devontae Parker, some of these other talented wide receivers, and I would agree with you as somebody who's watched the Bears very closely, they never had the kind of talent that he now has surrounding him offensively in Miami. And on top of that, his best season in Chicago was when he was under the direction of Adam Gase. Now, as a Chicago fan, I always was very critical of Jay Cutler, but I will also tell you that I don't think he ever really got a fair shot because of the changes of offensive coordinators, changes of head coaches, not the right personnel around him. And I am a believer that he is a talented guy. He just never really mentally was where he needed to be, and maybe he gets an opportunity here with Gase and really shows out, and I think I'm in agreement with the guys you talk to in the NFL. I think he is better than Ryan Tannehill, so that's interesting for this team going forward. And I think, Paige, that you know he's very relaxed now. Everything I hear, he's the most relaxed he's been in his entire career because he knows this is it. Whether he does a great job or not so good, This is going to be it. But let me mention one thing about their defense. This defense should be so much better than they are. When I watch them on film, they're horrible versus the run. And yet you look at their personnel, their defensive line is strong. Their linebackers should be good. But they give up a lot of big plays. And I think that's going to be critical. They cannot play so poorly against the run and allow opposing offenses you know, to control time of possession going forward. They've got to be able to help Cutler a little bit. Absolutely, just because he doesn't want to be on the field all the time. But I I do believe Cutler is going to be successful there, and I agree with you in what you said. The pressure's off, and the reality is the lights do not shine as bright in Miami as they do in Chicago. There is a lot more criticism that comes to any player when you're playing in the Chicago sports market than it does in a very apathetic sports market in Miami. So that also for him, he's not going to be answering 25,000 questions after every post game that he did in Chicago. And I think that fits his personality. I never thought he was a good fit personality-wise for what, you, what it takes to deal with the Chicago market. So let's see what he does here in Miami. But we will move on to the favorite coming out of the AFC. That is the New England Patriots. 
Uh, how do I, we get into this team? They seem they always get better in the offseason. It seems really unfair to the rest of the NFL, but Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have figured out this fountain of youth slash this almost college-like program that they've been plugging and playing people in for the last 15 years. What do you like most about what they added in the offseason, and how can anybody beat this team to get to the Super Bowl this year? Well, Paige, you made the perfect uh, word there, plug. These guys know how to plug in guys better than any team in the NFL. They know if they're missing something. They don't have to have the perfect player. They have to have a guy that does one thing really well, and then they're going to ask him to do that 10, 15 times a game. So they have so much versatility. I mean, for me, I love to watch them on film because everything they do has a purpose to it. Uh, their, their game planning is outstanding. Uh, you know, they've got a wide receiver now, uh, Cooks from uh, New Orleans. All of a sudden, he's another Randy Moss. They add two running backs, a guy named Rex Burkhead, who nobody even knows who he is, was a role player at Cincinnati. All of a sudden, this guy is going to do six or seven different things for the offense. They bring back Dante Scarnecchia to revive their offensive line who was struggling. Dante was retired. They're playing great. And defensively, offensively, we know what they're going to be. Now, they can either pound you if they want to. They can spread you out if they want to. They're going to change a game plan before the season. I mean, excuse me, before the Sunday, or they're going to change it during the game. But defensively, I love the way that I think they're transitioning this year. Pace, they don't have an outside pass rush. They don't have great pass rushers. So you know what they're doing? They're loading up in the secondary, and they're saying, you know what? We will play coverage, and our coverage will hold up long enough to get a mediocre pass rush to get to the quarterback. It's the opposite approach of most defenses, but it's vintage Patriots what are we good at? Oh, we've got a lot of DBs. We're good at coverage. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll blanket you, and we'll force you to hold on to the ball quarterback until our so-so pass rushers get to you. Absolutely, and uh, I will uh, rebuttal with you about Rex Burkhead because, oh, somebody knows about Rex Burkhead. I know about Rex Burkhead because he was a University of Nebraska running back while I was in college, and that guy can do everything. He's the hardest worker, probably. He is a Bill Belichick special. He is a guy who's got all the heart, and he will do any. He will do everything that Bill asks him to do. And I totally see a revival here for him, and he will be used so many different ways because that's the type of guy that he is, and he just fits. If I was going to pick a perfect spot for this guy to go and be successful, it's under Bill Belichick. You think there's maybe a chance that he'll show up in their goal line offense? Oh, absolutely. 100, of course he will. 120%. That's why I like him a little bit as a in a, in a flex position for fantasy football. But uh, we'll get into some fantasy football stuff later. But the New England Patriots, they're the favorite going into this year for good reason because they are the best. They've figured out a system that nobody else has figured out, and they continue to do that. Now, if we could pick a team – that is the opposite of the New England Patriots. That would be the next team, and that is the New York Jets, a team that has struggled as a franchise. They now, with the quarterback situation, what they got going on, and as a Todd Bowles fan from his time here, him, his time here in Arizona, 
I worry for Todd Bowles what this means for his coaching career as a head coach because I don't know how long he's going to last in New York this year, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I don't think they have any chance of being representative this year. I think they're the worst team in the NFL. Now, you could make a case for this team tanking because they've traded away all their guys. It looks like they have no commitment to win. But when you look around, they don't have a quarterback. Their best receiver, Inyanwa, is now gone for the years. Robbie Anderson is your number one wide receiver. You know, uh, your running backs are really pass catchers. I mean, they are just an absolute mess. And I feel bad for the coaching staff because I think they're smart guys, but they just don't have the players. And I don't think they're, you know, the players, in my opinion, I'm afraid they're going to bail on this coaching staff early in the season as the fans start to get really irate because I just don't see where they have a chance to even be representative. I'm, just, I'm really concerned about it because it's such a great fan base, but they just, everywhere you look, you can't find a guy that you think can make plays with the exception page of their defensive line who they have tremendous talent but those guys underachieve. They don't make close to the amount of plays they should. Unfortunately for them, they are one of those organizations that has a meddling owner. Uh, he has meddled in, in specific things that I know of that I've talked to people with across the league and, and meddled in decisions with coaching staffs, and that never works out. It never works out when you have an owner that meddles in what's going on from a football operations standpoint. And I don't think – unfortunately for Todd Bowles that he's ever been actually given a fair chance to be a head coach because they've never ever had the personnel there to be successful especially in that division with New England no and and maybe it's more of a front office problem than it is a coaching problem absolutely Gary we will move on to the AFC North and we will talk about the Baltimore Ravens One thing that I heard that I thought was very interesting, Brashard Perriman was talking about Joe Flacco. He called him Weapon X. He said that he's gained 30 pounds of muscle, and John Harbaugh has been very secretive about what is going on and what the timetable is here for Joe Flacco. So that all withstanding, what does this team look like if Joe Flacco comes back earlier than maybe we expected, and what do they look like without Joe Flacco? Well, I don't think they're very good either way, at least on offense. Uh, You know, the run game that we've been promised for the last two or three years looks again to not have anything to it. I mean, no bite to it. They've got old wide receivers. They don't have much at the tight end position because of uh, injuries. I just don't know where the big plays are going to come from, Paige. I think it's going to be a close to the best, play great defense, you know, win close games, don't make mistakes. But this is a really, I don't want to say it's a boring team. It's just not a team with a bunch of pizzazz. Now, defensively, they play probably maybe better than their talent level would indicate. They love their upgrades in the secondary. Their pass rush is not great, but they think the secondary acquisitions will really help, and they're very aggressive like they always have been. They're going to attack. I think defensively will keep them in a lot of games, 
but I don't know where the scoring is going to come from, especially if they play an offense, uh, you know, that scores a lot of points. They can't get into those shootouts. They're not capable of winning those types of games. Yeah, and in their division alone with, you know, a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're not going to get into a shootout and win that game, unfortunately for them. And I think offensively, like you said, with or without Joe Flacco, they just do not have the pieces to be successful. Their their running backs have been question marks all along. And what the question here, the biggest question is, what is Joe Flacco going to look like and when is he coming back? Because if this team doesn't have Joe Flacco – that's a completely different team going forward. And if he's out as much as was anticipated, you know, into week seven, now what Harbaugh is saying is, you know, kind of keeping it secretive. But, you know, I never trust head coaches when they're talking about when their guys are going to come back. And I anticipate, I always go with the worst. So assume he's going to be out half the season. If he's out half the season, this team is going to struggle mightily. And if we've got a question mark this close to day one, opening uh, weekend, I think that's a really, really bad bad omen for the, you know, for the Ravens. And I like them. I love Harbaugh. I love this organization, Ozzie Newsom. I just, I forecast the only good thing for them, they're in a division with the exception of Pittsburgh that they maybe can be competitive in. Yeah, absolutely. But we will talk about the Cincinnati Bengals now moving on. I think the thing that I'm most interested in with this team is their running game. Uh, it's always been a very interesting mix, a fantasy football players nightmare what they've done with the running backs in Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard because you never know which guy is going to be the featured back they draft Joe Mixon this year and I think he is going to be the guy do you think he will be the guy there for them offensively and what does their offense look like with him in addition to those backs and Andy Dalton going forward well he needs to be the guy Paige because I think Hill and Bernard are finished I don't think they give you any kind of threats. Uh, I don't think they give you a solid run game. Mixon has showed in the preseason he has really exciting skills. Now we know about off the field, and he's going to have to obviously you know, stay out of trouble. But if he's the guy that I think he is in the preseason, now all of a sudden this is a different offense. You've got some big play capabilities coming out of the running back position. You've still got a great receiver in A.J. Green. You've got a quality tight end. Uh, so you, you have enough weapons to be competitive. I don't think they're dynamic, but I think if Mixon is really good, now maybe we've got a little bit of play action, you know, take some pressure off of Dalton. I'm worried about his offensive line, though. I think they're going to take a step back, as is the defensive line. But... I think they'll be okay. I just don't think they're dynamic. Without Mixon, I think they're really, really in trouble. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think offensively they have a little interest because of Joe Mixon and the capabilities where they were able to get him in the draft because of obviously his off-the-field issues. But he is very talented. I watched him a lot play at Oklahoma, and he's a very, very talented guy. If he can bring that to the Cincinnati Bengals and keep his off-the-field issues in check, I think he could be very successful in the NFL and very successful for the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's no team that needs that more than him. I, I, I would agree. We will move on to the Cleveland Browns. I watched a little bit of them in the preseason, and I saw Jabril Peppers. I was a, a big fan of him when he was coming out of college. I think he's an exciting guy to watch. But the big storyline here is the quarterbacks. They get Brock Osweiler. They draft a Sean Kaiser. 
What do you see from this kind of three-quarterback mix that they have going on, and can Brock Osweiler actually be successful long-term in the NFL? Well, I think it's the old coaching adage. When you have three quarterbacks, the reality is you have none. And, and I think for the Cleveland Browns right now, we're going into week three, and we really don't know who their starting quarterback is. Now, they're, I think they're leaning towards the rookie. I really, really do. But I don't think it's an endorsement of him. I think it's more of an indictment on Osweiler. And when you're this late in training camp and none of those quarterbacks has really stepped up where you say, wow, this is the guy, then all of a sudden you may throw a Deshaun Kaiser into the, into the mix and who knows how he'll react. Now, he has a decent run game. And that's a really positive, uh, but he doesn't have a lot at wide receiver. You know, I, I just I worry about this team that they're in this indecisive this late in the preseason. What do you like about them defensively? Obviously, they have a guy like Miles Garrett, who there's a lot of excitement around him. But this team, this organization, has struggled for a very, very long time. So, what do you see defensively from the Cleveland Browns? And does their fan base have any hope for this team? Uh-huh. Well, making a little bounce back. I think, I think their best acquisition on defense is their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, who they brought in from the L.A. Rams. He's a disciplined guy. He's a tough guy. They were awful a year ago in their gap discipline and their tackling. He will make them better in those areas. That's not going to make them a dynamic defense, but at least they'll be better and they won't give up as many big plays. The problem they're going to have, Paige, unless Garrett can really give them a good edge rush, no pass rush is going to mean we're going to have to blitz, and that puts bad man-to-man corners on an island, and that's a recipe for disaster. So somehow if they can establish a pass rush without blitzing, they have a chance because they will be a more disciplined defense. But I, I, I think they'll make small progress but I don't think it's going to be great yeah. unless their running, back, their running back situation absolutely takes off. And Crowell is better than most of us think. I'm not as big a fan as a lot of people, but there's a lot of people in fantasy football that thinks he's really going to be a, a kind of a hot commodity. He had some flashes last year, but overall he was one of those guys that was either hot or cold. I think that's why fantasy football fans slash analysts tend to buy in a little bit too much to that when I like to look at the overall body of work. Uh, Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, was, and, and you, you, I mean, you know, by design, because they're not a very good offense, they have problems with their quarterback, they're going to be a run-first offense. Absolutely. So his workload will be really heavy. For sure, and I don't know that that – Never really keeps up long-term. It's never really a good thing for a running back long-term. But we will move on to this is my, this is my sleeper pick or my, my, my only other team in the AFC that I think has a chance to beat the New England Patriots and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. And that is because they have players like Antonio Brown, Sammy Coates, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and are you in agreement with me that maybe they're not better than the New England Patriots, but they can challenge the New England Patriots this season and maybe represent at the Super Bowl this year? Well, because they can score with anybody. So you're not going to get in a situation. If they're behind, 
they have a way to to uh, to come back and attack you. And a little bit like the Patriots page, they can beat you in a couple of ways. They can pound the ball with Bell, run the clock down, control time of possession, play action, or they can spread you out with those four and five receiver sets. I happen to think they're the smartest passing game in the NFL. When you watch them on film, side adjustment is such a big part of what they do. Because as Big Ben starts to scramble around the pocket and move, his receivers, especially Brown, do a great job of adjusting their routes. They'll go to an open spot. They stay on the same page. And when your side adjustment is good, when the play starts to break down, that absolutely makes you an impossible offense to defend. So I really, really like what I think they can do. But it all starts with the run game. And Bell will come back after this week. Offensive line, way underrated. They are so good. Uh, they're so efficient. I just think offensively this team's going to be great. And you and I talked last week about a couple of teams defensively that are just like the Steelers. They don't have to be great. They have to be middle of the pack, and that's what they are. You know, they have a lot of young guys, but they're middle of the pack, and if they don't, you know, give up a lot of big plays. They're a bend-but-don't-break crew. I think their offense can carry them. So I'm going to put you on the spot then. Can they hang with the New England Patriots? Do they have a chance to hang with the New England Patriots? They do, I think, because, again, their versatility on offense. They can they can either run the ball, they can throw the ball, they can spread it. They, I think that versatility allows them during a game, the flow of a game, to make adjustments that I don't see any other team in the NFL has the ability to do during the versus the Patriots. Now, having said that, nobody is as good at the Patriots as in-game adjustments. You know, and, and so I think it would come down to can the Pittsburgh defense slow down Tom Brady or does he just carve him up? Yeah, good luck but with that's an interesting. That's an interesting uh, battle of two great offenses. And two good defenses, but not maybe spectacular. And potentially, uh, as we've heard, the last season for Ben Roethlisberger, as he's, he's talked about quite a bit about retiring. Well, I know he says that. He's a dramatic guy. And I'm sure what I love is the fact that he's become a family guy. And those are probably all things that are starting to be more important to him. You know, it, it happened to Tony Romo, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's a possibility. But I, if he stays healthy with these quarterbacks in their mid-30s, if they can finish the season and they're not beat up and they don't have to have two or three different surgeries, a lot of times you give them a month and they're ready to come back. I hope that's the case because he's still playing at a high level, and his offensive line gives him a chance to stay pretty healthy. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to transition out of this uh, older generation of quarterbacks quite yet, so I hope he holds on for one more year. I agree with you. Now we will move on to Houston. Another quarterback battle because of a, a young quarterback that was drafted. My favorite quarterback coming out of the draft this year, and that's Deshaun Watson. I think the kid has it the it factor, the winning factor, a guy who went back-to-back championships, 
obviously losing the first one, Alabama, but what he did and what he proved, my favorite football word, the moxie he had to bring his team, will his team to win against Alabama in a championship game, I think the kid has it. Now, the guy in front of him, Tom Savage, is obviously not the guy long-term for Houston. What do you see from this team, and how long before you think Deshaun Watson is the guy for the Houston Texans? Well, I think they'd like Tom Savage to handle this job for most of the season simply because they think they're a playoff team. And if he's still in the lineup, then obviously they're playing well enough to stay in the playoff race. I'm not sure that that's the case because if they start to fade, I think there will be an outcry for Watson. And I think... It's going to be very interesting because this is a tough deep or tough offense page. They put a lot on the quarterback's plate. They ask him to read at the line of scrimmage, change blocking schemes. There's a lot of things that Savage can do that Watson can't do. But then I watch in the preseason, and I see they are so smart with Watson. A lot of bootlegs, a lot of rollouts, a lot of half-field reads. They are giving him a recipe for success, and he's really dealing with it well. I think he's the, of all the quarterbacks that came out, I think he's the quarterback that should start the soonest. Now, that doesn't mean that that's how it's going to work out, but I think he has the most tools and is the most ready, mostly because of the situation he's in. He's got good guys around him. He's got a good running game in Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, Jalen Strong, Will Fuller, Braxton Miller, and a top-tier defense to add to that. So I think that the pieces are there. Now, obviously, they think that they can stay in this division, but I'm a big fan of the team that we'll get to at the end of this division, and I don't know if they can wait so long or if Tom Savage is going to be enough to keep up with Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. No, no, I I agree with you. And I think Watson, is he goes to the best talented offense of all these rookie quarterbacks, but he also goes to the most complex offense. So I think the key will be, will Bill O'Brien sort of dummy things down to accommodate his skill package, or will he keep this sophisticated offense and say, hey, I'll run it with a journeyman? I I probably tend to agree with you that Watson may be in the lineup a little quicker than we think, especially if they struggle. Yeah, and I think as of now, Tom Savage is the guy, but I know how fans work, and I know how easy NFL caves into the pressure that when you got a guy who you traded up for, who you wanted to be your guy, it, it, it tends to, you tend to have to pull the trigger a little bit sooner rather than later, especially when you got a very talented and smart guy in Deshaun Watson. The next team we're going to talk about is the Indianapolis Colts. This team has always confused me as an organization as why, much like Russell Wilson in Seattle, why they have not gone out and spent the money they need to protect their long-term quarterback. Andrew Luck has struggled with a bad offensive line, takes a serious injury. We're not even sure that he's going to be playing week one. If I was betting, he is not going to play week one. And this team is not talented enough to win without Andrew Luck. No, there's no question about that. The offensive line has been a disaster since Peyton was there. They're just not very good. They've tried to get bigger. They've tried to get more physical. They've tried two tight end sets. They've tried heavy sets. Uh, it just hasn't worked out. They haven't had a run game to force a defense 
to play honest. And so really, when you get ready to play the Indianapolis Colts, you've got one job. Get to Andrew Luck. Knock him down. Make life uncomfortable for him because there's nothing else that you really respect. And I agree with you, Paige. I think there's more to Andrew Luck's health than people are talking about. It just It's really unsettling for me because they're not close to being the same team with him on the sidelines as they are with him out there running it. He has some weapons on offense, but he's got to stay healthy. I just don't like what I see from this offense. Even with him in there, I think it's going to have to be short passing games, stretch plays, draws, get the ball out quick, you know, uh, anything you can do to avoid seven-step drops and all those hits. Yeah, it's just very unfortunate for him because I think he is one of the most talented and one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. He just hasn't been given the uh, the right opportunities around him, and I I just question organizations. I can't understand why when you have guys like that, your number one goal there is to protect your number one asset, and your number one asset is Andrew Luck. And it continues to perplex me as to why they do not go out and make sure that he's protected and given the right assets around him. But then again, I'm not the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, so I guess but, I, but guess I, I don't But I will it. say this, Paige, when you, when you study them on both sides of the ball, there's a lot of things that don't fit. I mean, they want to be Baltimore on defense, but they don't have the Baltimore-type players. I, I mean, they, they want to blitz. They want to play man, but they have zone defensive backs, they just always seem to have a situation where the talent they have doesn't fit the scheme that they're running. and It just doesn't make sense there. You finish watching them on film and you just don't see or feel any flow to them on offense or defense. Wow, I get it. I get where they're going. And I just think it's a little bit of a, of a real concern because you're wasting some really good years by a great young quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Now, with Jacksonville, a team like Bu- – uh, uh, this reminds me of what's going on in Buffalo. You have a starting quarterback in Blake Bortles who is struggling. Now they're talking about having a journeyman like Chad Henney be the starting quarterback. Very interesting dynamic going on there when you think about how high Blake Bortles was drafted, how much excitement there was around him. He's coming in in his third year now, and you're expecting that he gets it. You know, he he takes a huge step forward. He did not do that last year, and I don't see that happening for him this year. Is this the type of situation that we could see Blake Bortles not as a Jacksonville Jaguar sometime this season or even into next season, obviously? Oh, I think there's a huge sense of panic by this coaching staff. I think they they knew that with Fournette they were going to be a run-first, pounded, physical offense. But I think they expected all along Bortles will be good enough. We've got excellent outside weapons. He'll run this offense well. And I think his performance after two games has them scared to death. Wow, what are we going to do? Henny's not the long-term answer. In my opinion, Paige, I think they're going to look to make a trade maybe before opening day. I really think that this coaching staff is now in the mindset, we can't win at what we have a quarterback right now. Very. You know, and, and even if it's a good run game, it would not surprise me. Maybe they can't pull the trigger on a trade, but I think they'll look around. They'll make some calls. They'll see who's available. But I really think 
that that's a good football team. And the, their problem is they have a lot of pieces to be successful. And I think they're all of a sudden looking at the quarterback position and saying, hey, this is the one position that may hold us back. This cannot happen. Yeah, a lot of rumors surrounding Blake Bortles and his name around the draft as a piece that was looking to get shopped on draft night. And I think that continues and even gets hotter as this what has unfolded in Jacksonville. Very interesting because I like their defense. I think they bring in a guy like Calais Campbell from Arizona who is the heart and soul of, of what happened here in Arizona is going to give them everything. They have a very good defense. They have pieces offensively. They have a couple good running backs there. But if you don't have a cornerback, <laughs> things, things, can, things can change very quickly, and especially in this division where there's some very, very good quarterbacks. My favorite- and and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how good Fournette is and what a heavy workload he has. You're going to have to make some plays at the quarterback position. And they have two guys outside in Robinson and Hearns. I mean, it's not like they don't have wide receivers. So I think the thing to look at is this week, Paige, because week three in the preseason, as we know, that's your dress rehearsal for week one. And how they play the quarterback position this week, I think, will tell you a lot on what their thought process is going into week one. If they give it to Bortles and he plays the whole game, that's one thing. If all of a sudden Henny is starting and playing, now we have a real, real quandary. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to watch, and I don't think they ever anticipated that this was going to be this big a problem. No, a good old-fashioned quarterback battle, and I'm uh, here to watch all of it unfold. But the last one, there is no quarterback battle, and that is because Marcus Mariota is coming into his own, and he looks phenomenal. Him, Jameis Winston, two guys that are very exciting to watch, uh, both very different styles of quarterback. But Tennessee overall, as an offense, they have a lot of pieces. Corey Davis, Rashard Matthews, Eric Decker, uh, Delaney Walker, DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, and then on top of that they have Marcus Mariota with a very, very talented offensive line. What do you like here with this team? Oh, I like everything about them because I think they really upgraded their big play capability. And don't forget Eric Decker. You know, I think they're, they've got a chance to be really, really special, you know, because they can attack you with the run. Those two running backs are as good as it gets. I mean, they can pound you. They can catch the ball out of the backfield. The thing I see as I watch film page, they are so good, their offensive tackles, and now they're playing more two tight end sets. They've widened their run game. They're not just a between-the-tackles offense now. They can widen their run game because their edge blocking is so good that they, they're really good on sweeps and off-tackle plays, and they can pound you. They can come back with play action. And again, Mariota's one of those guys, bootlegs, rollouts, play action is devastating. I just think he's comfortable. He has all of his weapons. And when you have a young quarterback that can rely on his run game, you know, that's really something. And you said their offensive line, much you know, like we talked about the Pittsburgh Steers, there's four or five of these offensive lines in the NFL that just take over a game. 
This is one of them. I love this front five. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this team going forward, and I think that they're. I think this very easily is my favorite of this division. I I, I do like the Texans, but I just don't think they're going to have enough to keep up with Marcus Mariota and company as we go forward. But this last division that we're going to get into, the AFC West, is in my opinion the best division in football. They have a very very. They have a lot of talent here. We will start with the Denver Broncos. Now, what's interesting is that Paxton Lynch has now found himself in a group that he does not want to be in, and that is that he is not going to be the starting quarterback. What do you see here with this team? Because we know that they have an elite defense, but their offense is a big question mark. So how are they going to be successful offensively this year with in Denver? Paige, I don't like them on offense. I don't think they have a chance to be very good. I think you said it. They're going to have to win on defense play a lot of close games, maybe not a lot of high-scoring games, and hope that they can win some of those close games. It's going to be a West Coast offense. It'll look a little bit like Carolina and New England, obviously without the skill players. They'll use their tight ends and the running back backs in the passing game, ball out quick to protect the quarterback. But I'm not wild about the offensive line. I don't like the run game. I think they hoped going into the season that the run game would be much, much improved and would take pressure off the quarterback position. But I don't think that it has, and I think they go into the season with nothing really to hang their hat on. Now, obviously, Lynch wasn't the guy. We know that. But I don't think I look at, I look at this offense now, and I don't see the big plays. I don't see wow. Uh, the wow factor at their in their passing game. They just there's no flow to it. I think it's going to have to be defense. Absolutely, and and I just don't. Uh, I look at their defense, and they definitely have an elite defense. But do you think it will be enough to keep them competitive in this division with the Kansas Cities and Oakland Raiders and the LA Chargers, who have a very dynamic offense? Well, they're going to have to make the transition from Wade Phillips to Joe Woods who's now their new coordinator. Now, he'll be fine because he's been in the system. He knows it. They'll do everything the same, a lot of sub-packages. They'll blitz like crazy. Uh, They'll come at you from every direction. One interesting thing here is Woods comes from the Tampa 2 zone defense. That's how he was raised in the NFL. This has not been what the Denver Broncos are. They've been a lot of aggressive man schemes. As the season evolves, it'll be interesting to see if Woods goes to more of those Tampa 2 zones. But we know the pass rush is going to be excellent, and they're going to have to create turnovers and field position. I just don't like their margin of error. I think every game for them is going to be a knockdown drag out. Nothing's going to come easy. And, you know, they'll win some and they'll lose some. I know that sounds, you know a little bit vanilla, but I just don't I don't see this team having a great edge. No, they do not. They just don't have the pieces offensively to keep up with uh, the Oakland Raiders and Kansas City Chiefs or the rest of this division. Now, they, their defense will keep them in games, but I ultimately don't see them uh, competing for the top of this division. But the Kansas City Chiefs, another team that drafted a very young quarterback. Actually, surprisingly, they go out and get Patrick Mahomes a guy who I was also very big on coming out of the draft. Now, Alex Smith is the guy, but there have been rumors about a potential trade of Alex Smith. Now, 
big, lofty rumors. But is this the kind of thing where you could see? Because Alex Smith, at, at his core, is a game manager. He's not a guy who's going to go out and sling the ball around. Patrick Mahomes is quite the opposite. But very unlike Andy Reid, head coach. So do you see this defense, again, being very dominant? But what do you see from their offense this season? Well, first of all, I think this is an offense that you can get by with your quarterback being a game manager. They're going to run the ball first. They're going to do a lot of screens, a lot of draw plays. They're not going to take a lot of deep shots every now and then off of play action. And so what Andy wants is a guy that takes care of the football, doesn't turn it over, runs the offense. And remember, you've got a defense that was best in the league a year ago at creating turnovers and getting the ball back to your offense. That's how Andy wants to play. Give me the ball back. My quarterback won't make mistakes. We're very efficient. We'll take advantage of our field position. And I think that that, uh, Smith gives them a great chance to do that. I just... I don't think they would come close to making a trade before the season because I think he is not only is Alex Smith good in this offense, I think he's a leader. It would really, in my opinion, it could really affect team chemistry, your overall locker room, if you made a change like that. Now, the young kid looks good. I think he'll be terrific. He'll give them a... uh, something that they haven't had in a long time, that dynamic kind of attack mode. And in fact, Paige, coming out of training camp, everybody has said that Alex Smith has taken more chances and has become more aggressive because of the young guy. He's kind of following his lead, and it's actually been fun to watch him become a little more of a gambler than we've seen in the past. So I think it's, it's good, but it'll come down to defense, I have a something gnawing at me that says this defense, as great as it's been, is going to be a year older, maybe not quite as dynamic as they were a year ago. And again, their key, create turnovers, get the ball back to the offense. Can they do that close to the same level that they did a year ago? There's part of me that says this has been a great run. They're still really good. But I don't know if they're the same defense they were a year ago. Absolutely. And I think also the back to the quarterback, back and forth. It's always interesting when you bring in a young rookie how that changes the dynamic in the quarterback room. And just obviously quarterbacks know when you go move up and try and get somebody and you draft somebody early like Patrick Mahomes, the intention is that that guy is going to be the guy eventually. So it's very interesting to see what that changes the dynamic. And I think the rumors swirling around about that is mostly – uh. Chiefs fans and their their lack of, of faith in that offense and that Alex Smith is enough to compete with the Pittsburghs and the New England Patriots because as of late, they haven't been enough. They've been great defensively. They just haven't been able to keep up with Pittsburgh and New England offensively. Well, and, and we know the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback. Oh, yeah. Always has been, always will. Because it's, it, it's the it's the love of the unknown. It's uh, the Mitch Trubisky effect happening in Chicago. It's very much the same happening across the league. We'll move on to the L.A. Chargers. I saw you had a couple notes. Uh, uh, a lovely 
little tweet on Twitter about get, uh, about Philip Rivers and the fact that he's kept his family uh, <laughs> in a certain area and he commutes every day because he didn't want to uproot his family. I think he has eight kids. So it's a nice yeah. note on, on Philip Rivers and the kind of guy that he is. He has had some – he's had some tough luck with injuries and guys that haven't been available to him. But this year, uh, Melvin Gordon is a guy that I think every <laughs> – collectively fantasy football analysts are very, very high on him. I think he's ranked fourth almost throughout the entire league. People have him that high. Uh, it's very interesting. And Rivers, we, we know, can throw, can, can throw the ball and make something happen. So what do you like about the, the L.A. Chargers this year and, and what they can do in this division? Well, let me say one thing about the, the Twitter thing, too, Paige, before we go into the Chargers. Mm-hmm. The one thing I, the other thing I love about Rivers is he takes that trip every morning. He has a car driver, so he can study film all the way until he gets to his quarterback room. So it's not just like I'll get in the car and fall asleep. He uses that two hours to lay out his film, to do film study. So, it, you know, that's what a pro is. You know, not only are you doing things to take care of your family, but you're also preparing all the time. Now, having gone back to what you said, I think Melvin Gordon is set for a great year, partially because he's a really good running back, but he now has a coach that's a run-first coach, and that's a huge part of this offense. They want to run the ball. They want to set up play action, and I think that's the key to this offense is they will give him a lot of carries and that's going to make Rivers so much better. I agree. And I, what do you like from them defensively uh, in this division that obviously has people, teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos that have such tough defenses? Well, they want to be Seattle South on defense. How many times have we said that? <laughs> Everybody wants to be you know? Seattle. <laughs> yeah. But the difference is a rush four, drop seven. You know, a lot of people think they're going to play cover three, but they love their corners, Barrett and Hayward. They are. They absolutely think those guys can play man press schemes, and I think that's going to differ them on the back end a little bit from Seattle because I think they have a nice pass rush now with Bosa, but I think they now say, hey, my two corners – can lock up the best two receivers, and that gives me more flexibility in my blitzes. And this is a defense that I think may be a little better than most people think. I'm kind of a little bit high on the Chargers right now. I, I know playing in a small stadium and all that, those things are factors. But I just like the makeup of this team. I think they have some pieces in place that make them interesting. And defensively, I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. I agree with you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're a little bit higher on the Chargers than most. I think they're, uh, they're an exciting team, and if they stay healthy, uh, which is a big if, and uh, have a couple guys that come back off the injury list and, and improve this team, I think they're very interesting in this division. But we will end things with the Oakland Raiders, a team that everybody – I feel like everybody loves the Oakland Raiders. A lot of talk about this team, Derek Carr – another year stronger, had a very, very good year last year. Is this team the team that's going to win the division, or are they are they going to take over to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos? Because I could see that happening this year. Oh, I think they're, right now, I would favor them to win the division. Now, having said that, 
they have some holes that people don't realize. As dynamic as they are, you know, they have a great offensive line. They have a terrific passing game. They have a, a an absolute great court, young quarterback. But when you look at them, they're horrible at the corner position. They give up a ton of big plays. What are we going to get from Marshawn Lynch? That could be a great thing or it could be a bust. And I'm not sure we'll know until we get into the season. You know, their pass rush has not been great. And so this is the team that is not without some flaws, but they also have a chance to really put up big numbers on offense. They have a chance to really get things going. And if Marshawn Lynch is good, and he's the Marshawn Lynch of two or three years ago, now watch out. Because not only can they control the clock behind a huge physical offensive line, but now they have Carr has play action. You've got to force a defense to put eight guys in the box maybe. And now you're getting one-on-one matchups outside and everything else falls into place. So I think it comes down to, is the run game for real? And can they hold up at cornerback and not give up big plays outside? Yeah, that that running back position, Marshawn Lynch is is somebody who watched him play in Seattle very closely. When he is dynamic and he has a good offensive line in front of him, he can be the best running back in the league. The question mark here is, and it's a big question mark, he was injured for a year in Seattle, took last year off in the NFL. He, you know how running backs in this league go. Older running backs do not fare well in the NFL, and this is a guy who was not playing football at all last year. So I am under the assumption, I, I, I have them as a very, very good football team, but I'm not so sure that we're going to see the Marshawn Lynch of old just because of age and extenuating circumstances, but you know that you're going to get everything you can out of him because he's home, he's playing for Oakland, and he will show out for his city. I'm just not sure that he still has it at his age. I absolutely agree with you, and I think until we know that, we're not sure how good this team can be. Yeah, I think they do, I think they do win this division, even if Marshawn Lynch is marginal, because uh, I do think he will be average um, at, at, at the least. But if, if and, he, and their passing game can carry him. Oh, for sure. When you have guys like Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, I mean, Derek Carr has huge options to go to. But if they're dynamic running back-wise, along with those wide receivers, this team gets a lot more interesting for me in the AFC. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, everything changes if Absol- that happens. Absolutely. But we, we've convinced ourselves that there are other teams other than New England that can win the AFC. I do still have them as the favorites, but I do love Pittsburgh a lot in the AFC. And I do, as we just noted, if Marshawn Lynch is old Marshawn Lynch, the Oakland Raiders become very interesting in the AFC. But they but do. You know, but you know, we've talked about Paige. We've gone through every team. And we don't really have a team where we say really, really matches up. I mean, it's sort of, I hope this team, maybe they can. Yeah. Have we ever seen going into a season where a team is so far ahead of everybody else, at least on paper? Not really. Not, not that I can remember. I mean, New England's always very good. But the acquisition of going out, I mean, they very rarely go get elite players offensively. I mean, it hasn't happened that often. And they went out and got a Brandon Cooks this year. 
<laughs> which adds a whole nother dimension. They didn't even have Gronk last year. So that coming back, you have him. You have obviously Julian Edelman, who they've always had. They have. Well, you added, you added a number two tight end from Indy, who's really good. Absolutely. They had Rex Burkett. You've, I mean, add, you've, added, you've added two running backs. Yeah, it's just. You know, I mean, this is the ultimate. I helped a couple of people last weekend on fantasy football, and they're all enamored with New England. And I said, your problem with New England, draft Tom Brady because he gets all the production. But after Tom Brady, you got six or seven people you got to spread it around to. I don't know who gets it. There's so many mouths to feed in that offense. Yep, and as we know in New England, Bill Belichick never favors anyone over the other. They all get production, and it's a, like we said, plug and play. He'll put in whoever he thinks that week, and Rex Burkhead might score three touchdowns one week, and then the next week he won't get the ball. That is the Bill Belichick special and a fantasy football nightmare. So those are guys you stay away with. I couldn't agree with you more. You get Tom Brady. I'd probably draft Brandon Cooks, but pass the end, and obviously you got to go to Gronk as a tight end, but past that, you kind of get some of those guys and you put them on your bench and hope that the week that you do decide to start them is the week that Bill Belichick also yeah, decides Yeah, I mean, to they're the, the ultimate roll-of-the-dice thing when you're playing fantasy football. Absolutely. Well, Gary, thank you for joining me today. This has been uh, – we have gone through the AFC. If you want to hear our preview of the NFC, we did that last week. Again, you can find that on iTunes under the Scout and the Sports page. For Gary Horton, I am Paige Demacos. You've been listening to the Scout and the Sports page.